0: Welcome to They Came From Outer Space, a radio program where we talk to filmmakers and buffs about their favorite sci fi film and how it relates to their own work and today's wild world. I'm filmmaker Cameron Kitt, also known on WIR as DJ Lilis, and I'm here today with Julia Reingold to talk about the dreamlike 60s cult classic, (laughs) Barbarella.
1: Meet the most beautiful creature of the future. Her name is Barbarella, and she makes science fiction something else. Jane Fonda is Barbarella. Barbarella is a five-star, double-rated astro Earth girl whose specialty is... Love! Shall I tell you what I would like? I think I know. Her top-secret mission is a real wing-dinger. hi cameron
0: hi julia thanks for coming on dude <laughs> thanks for
1: having me what could be more fun than talking about
0: barbarella i mean it just yeah i mean yes nothing Nothing <laughs> could be more fun i feel so bad that it was a flop but also not really like i have so many conflicting feelings about this movie but watching it again i'm so glad i did it was just like such a feast
1: I feel the same way. And I actually thought the same thing watching it over and over again. I couldn't stop thinking about, like, what was the reception of this movie when it came out? Like, was it strange to people? What didn't feel contemporary? Yeah. Mostly it was bad. It
0: was yeah. bad. <laughs> it was mostly like was bad. mostly everyone burner. hated it. Yeah, like, mostly, <laughs> mostly everyone hated it. Um, and then it only showed up in midnight screenings. And I remember watching it in art school and being like, Wow movie so edgy. yeah and
1: i also read that in some places it was considered pornography and was only um people could only get their hands on it in in play stores so to speak um, i don't want to be
0: offensive but like it's very french you know like, it's, it's super it is. french it is in the way it's, that, of like, a, it, it's like of a specific yeah. era yeah.
1: french like like the sheer lawlessness of it to me is very
0: french there's no actual sex scenes described and i guess trigger warning if you have children listening right now um we're not going to describe any sexual acts but we will be discussing, like, sexy situations. Hello, pretty, pretty.
1: Hello. It's a spicy so, movie. Don't watch it with your kids.
0: Yeah, it's not really a good movie for kids. Yeah. It's a horny movie. Like, it's, it's a str- very <laughs> horny film. Um, But, like, you know, for me, someone who, like, wants to be her, that's fine. You know? Like, that's yeah. a real life. It's also, like, it's hard to hate it because it's probably the only
1: sci-fi movie I can think of that puts sex like thematically at the center of the movie. Um, It's, I mean, it talks about gender roles and femininity and masculinity. It talks about um, queerness. It talks about a lot of sexuality oriented things. Um, And I was thinking about like, God, what would a contemporary be? Like, what would it, you know, what does this remind me of? And there's nothing,
0: there's nothing like it. That's so true. You know, normally sci-fi is a, container to talk about something else like our, c- our current moral quandary or yes. overpopulation or it's normally like a d- package for a drama or a romance and this is like a package for a porn <laughs> 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 it's, it, 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 yeah it's so close but okay i want to get into it but first for those who don't know julia reingold She's a comic book creator and artist living in Brooklyn. A fellow sci-fi nerd just like me, Julia, cares about promoting the future we want to see. One of her current projects is a graphic novel called Inheritance, about a matriarchal space colony. Um, And just after hearing that, I was like, cool, you're my friend now. (laughs)
1: Um, Although we have changed it from colony to cooperative because... Cooperative.
0: Yeah, the yeah, word colony because, doesn't fly anymore. Okay, we're you know right.
1: What, you know, I mean, the thing, the problem is, given the culture that we live in, people know what you're talking about when you say space colony, but they don't know what you're talking about when you say space cooperative because this is the world we live in. And what is that?
0: No, but like matriarchal space cooperative sounds so much better. And that is the future I want to work towards. It but is. There are it's, two...
1: a granola, it's a pretty granola thing to imagine. And it fills me with so much joy.
0: Well, there. Few, if you want to know what this would look like, there are... Currently two comics up on her website, JuliaReingold.com, R-E-I-N-G-O-L-D. Um, so, Julia, yeah, you're touching on this a little bit, but why did you choose Barbarella? Um, for me, it was the first movie I ever saw about
1: a woman in space, period. After that came Alien. Um, and I think it started this really important narrative that would shape a lot of the work that I continue to do um i think sort of tacit in every movie that we watch about science fiction or space travel specifically like there's like this tacit question of what values do we bring with us into space because it's it's the wide open right it could be a blank slate for all we care it could be sheer nihilistic you know nothingness or we could bring the american constitution with us we could bring the patriarchy with us and a lot of the movies we see the tacit understanding is like well it's just more of this right we take what we what we do and feel and like the rules that we abide by on earth and we bring them into space with us and i think what i liked about barbarella was um it asked the question what if not what if we did something different um even though the answer eventually comes back to no we're french we're patriarchs and we want women to dress up in bikinis and love each other um, at least it asked the question so i think to me the fascination with barbarella is obviously because it's so goofy and because it's just insane it's an insane movie and it's so much fun but also because as a social instrument, it did a lot and continues yeah. to do a lot.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's like, it's not perfect, but nothing is. Oh my God, perfect. it's the goofiest movie. And it's like, just like, it's,
1: it's so not perfect, fun. But there's
0: a lot that I like about oh, the yeah. idea of like, just the first 10 minutes. Like, I kind of, part of me was like, oh, I was expecting it to be clunky or not fun to watch. It's like, this is a tight 90 minutes and I could not stop watching it. And that's really impressive. Yes. And even right? the bad
1: parts were good. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, because it's yeah. like, well, because it's like a dream and and, and I don't I don't get enough content like that, but like <laughs> just the opening with her spaceship, with like her lifestyle, like she's got art, she lives yeah. inside like a shag carpet. I, re- I took a note where I like described, I tried to describe her spaceship as a, like a Claire's mating with a local art museum inside a golden <laughs> retriever.
1: <laughs> Mine was um, uh, Austin Powers Airport.
0: Yeah, it's an Austin Powers Airport. There's like, <laughs> it just feels like, I mean, it's the late 60s. The music, like everything about this is the late sixties and like the free love stuff, but like her lifestyle is awesome. Like she's chilling. When she greets the president, she says, Love, like all that's all I needed to hear. I was like, that's the future I want. Like, okay, we're talking about like what if the values are different? And and I like this assumption that if it's the forty-first century, then we've evolved past war. Maybe I don't ever see stuff like that. You know, it was kind of like what if it was like after Star Trek, right? Like they've gone past that.
1: Yeah, that was actually one of my questions too. I can- I love that you picked up on that because it's just taken for granted. They say it's a pacified galaxy. And I'm like, great, how? How? Like, I don't see any people of color. Is that why it's pacified? Are they all slaves and you're thrilled about it? Like where,
0: like mm. how That's did this happen? Thing. Yeah. Like, I love when we present the future as like, conveniently there's no people of color like yeah oh that's the future is that the future you want yeah oh, interesting interesting these choice dudes. these white french dudes man <laughs> we're gonna get Wait. into the juiciness of jane fonda and roger vadim so there are spoilers in this film um there are spoilers in this podcast we're gonna spoil the whole movie but like that will this this goes so much more for this film than any other film i've done that will not ruin your enjoyment of watching this film <laughs> even if we tell you scene by scene what happens it will not ruin your enjoyment of this film some spoilers actually can increase your enjoyment of the content. So here we go. Released in 1968 and directed by Roger Vadim. Roger Vadim. Barbarella <laughs> follows the sexy interstellar adventures of 41st century. Astro-navigatrix Barbarella, played by Jane Fonda, who was at the time Roger Vadim's third wife. Barbarella is based on the sensational comics by Jean-Claude Forest. She lives in a future world of love and peace in her psychedelic spacecraft when suddenly the president calls and asks her to search out the evil scientist Duran Duran. The quest takes her through ice caves, labyrinths, dozens of outfits, and more than a few sexual escapades. As the film's taglines ask, who nearly dies of pleasure? Who seduces an angel? Who's the bird in the gilded cage? Who conveys love by hand? Who strips in space? Who will save you?"
1: This movie got made. I'm telling you, it's a real thing. Um, but yeah, it was. It's funny. I sent that tagline section to you because A. I was howling and needed someone else to enjoy it too. But also B. Because, like I said, and asked the only question that's not explicitly asked is what role does sexuality play in space, which is an important question, a massively important question. Um, and the answer in this movie is it answers to the male gaze, um, even though you know this was originally a comic book. And as we learned, there are some differences in the comic book. However, it's more or less the same. It's really just for male enjoyment. Um, But I think just by virtue of them creating this movie, the provocation was created. Like, we're allowed to ask these questions because weird movies like this exist. Um, And I think it's really timely, too, because Cameron and I went to a sci-fi film festival recently where there were some really impressive visionaries and directors and artists who put forth totally different ideas of representation um, and culture and just art in space. And the timing was kind of beautiful in that way and that they they do seem to match up. Yeah, that's the gist of it. Jane Fonda goes into space. It's not like a character development movie. We were talking about like, my other favorite sci-fi movies are really just human stories that have science woven in. Right. That's right. not what this movie is. No. That is not what, like, this movie is you... a dream. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Barbarella's character, you really know nothing about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just sent here and there to do this and that. But here's my first hot take. Are you ready? Upon, re-watch- upon rewatching Barbarella, here's what I do know for sure. Barbarella is a sex worker. She starts off her journey with us by undressing. She stays naked for the first 10 minutes. She accepts her mission while she's in the nude. Her president of um, of Earth, is that his title? Essentially yeah. says, can't wait to meet you in the flesh, which is yeah. more or less the creepiest thing I've ever heard Yeah, it in my gives her a
0: little once over and he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like for a post sex society, that he's still creepy. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And also okay. in
1: terms of how she will like she thanks people or the trades that she makes, she pays with her body. Yeah. And then and watching that throughout the movie, I was like, Well, wait, is there anyone in this film who isn't a sex worker? Because they're all trading in sex.
0: Well, of course, a lot of the film takes place in a city that's supposed to be sodom and gomorrah so go right right, right, so right. like it's supposed to be evil right so like a lot of the film takes place where like evil acts are occurring but no <laughs> it's really true because well, one of the lines was uh jane fonda disliked the central character for her lack of principle her shameless exploitation of her sexuality and her irrelevance to contemporary social political realities jane fonda didn't like her but like the thing i took away from that is like barbara's character uses sex to get permission done because that's what ta- i mean i guess by the like logic of this horny film that's like what makes sense um because like she took yeah like okay let's spoil this humanity has evolved past the need for sex they engage in sex by pressing their hands together and taking a pill and then they just kind of like both sit there and like vibrate which i love and i want to talk to you about like this trope like it's in repo man it's a trope right this idea yeah. of like and then this man is like I'm going to show you the old ways and I, I just I have a like, lot of thoughts about this. I have a lot of thoughts. I know I was about... like I was like Julia yeah. Julia Julia. So <laughs> we you know we got to talk about this in a way that like you know a 7-year-old might be able to listen to sure. but <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that was the thing. That was the beginning where it's like the first part of the film I'm like hey, I'm just happy that the main character is a woman. <laughs> like I'm just happy that like she's I getting and
1: watching it. I think I think because I was pretty young when I saw *Barbarella*, and I think mm-hmm. upon watching it for the first time, that's exciting enough. And I yeah, mean, that was really enough. heartbreaking that, mm-hmm. like, just to see a woman in space—period. Just like that representation was shocking enough. It really isn't until later in life, like around this time, that I'm like, oh, this is. Very damaging. <laughs> this is yeah. the collateral damage of this movie. is It's actually pretty far-reaching. And it
0: damaged Jane Fonda too. I mean, yeah, like, there was she, actually did you see know.
1: the HBO documentary where she talks about it? Her experience. I read. Doing I it. read
0: some of it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Tell, tell, no the, tell the people. Tell the people.
1: She has no love for this movie, and she certainly has no love for her ex-partner who directed her in it. Even though, you know, there's a lot to be dissected about it. Like the, how do you pronounce his name? I say I Roger the Dim. Sure. In, I don't yeah. know how the
0: French would pronounce it. I'm, I'm just going off.
1: He is also the director of And God Created Woman, yeah, which, is, Bardot, which mm-hmm. is massively important in terms of feminist cinema. Um, his fascination with the role of women in on Earth or in outer space is pretty far-reaching. Um, and I think in terms of the importance of the film, I think, yeah, it is important that it's important enough that she was a woman and that representation hit hard because it hadn't been done. It was unprecedented, more or less. Um, and I think the reason why I'm still stuck on the film is because I haven't seen anything like it since. Like, there was Alien, and there's, like, a rival, I guess. But, like, again, the role of gender isn't important in those films.
0: Yeah, and, well, and it's downplayed, right? Ripley was written to be a, um, like, non-gendered character. Could have been you know, either male yeah. or female. Arrival, I love. But, like, yeah. neither of them have to do with sex. And, yeah, it's really... It is really interesting. Neither None of them are, like, as fun or crazy. The thing is, like, she... It, we wouldn't have a central sci-fi classic cult classic if she wasn't a sex symbol. So like, Oh my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. definitely. kind of sword. chicken and the egg there. Yeah. Because uh, like it wouldn't happen. However, it is so absurd that you can never get, but so angry at it. Right. Like it, like, it like skirts being, it skirts being deeply offensive by being so silly. Right. And exactly. Oh my
1: gosh. That's so true. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and I think the silliness I welcome it in some places, particularly when it comes to set and costume design. Yes. Um, I, I, we could talk about this for hours. I love it. Something I complain to you about a lot that I could complain to anyone about a lot is in representation of futuristic societies in space or on earth. Nowadays, all I see are like these like chrome yoga retreat type settings. Like you lo- it feels like you're walking into an Apple store and everyone's yeah. wearing like linen tunics and why and like they're all in navy blues and grays and beiges. And it's terrifying. There's no dirt. There's, there's no, no... There's fuzz. no color. There's no... Yeah, there's... And it's clean. Exactly. It's clean. It's, like, minimalistic. Yeah, everything um,
0: feels like you're, like inside a Roomba. Yeah, like, everything's <laughs> so... Sp- uh, s- chrome. You're so right. And, and like, that's just the trope, right? Yeah. Like, that's the trope. And, and it's
1: easy. It's super easy to default to that. Um. And it, sounds, it, like, paints a really bleak picture of what the future can or could look like. And I think people have more or less, like, succumbed to but it's pieces like Barbarella and it's pieces like the short films that we've seen recently where mm-hmm. like spaceships are hairy and spacesuits are really, really colorful um, and like oddly shaped or sometimes just blatantly shaped like a uterus. Where it yeah. us that like, um, no, it doesn't have to be that way. We can look really weird or good or bad doing anything we want, including going into space. And I, I feel like there's a lot to that. Like that's the, one of the most fun parts about sci-fi movies. It's like, well, sure. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, let's um, imagine Let's imagine it the way we want it to be, not just exactly. the way we think it's supposed to look. Exactly.
1: And I think that, who's I don't know where the origin of that is. I think it might be like
0: Spielberg's
1: early stuff and things started to get sleek. And like, again, like the rise of Apple had a lot to do with that. Um, but something like Barbarella, where again, spoiler alert, the first thing you see is like this really hairy interior of a spaceship. Like there's just shag carping like everywhere. And her outfits, how to describe, <laughs> like a melted plastic bikini covered in crumb and it's awesome she's it's a go-go dancer i'm
0: not gonna lie every single one of her outfits slaps so hard but you it know does. at this time she was bulimic hated her body and the whole movie is like about her body so it's very fascinating but like you know it's a feast for the eyes and the set design the costumes production design are what make the film so fantastic like the sets are massive and and it just yeah it's like so fun to watch her costume changes are amazing like that part, there's, I have nothing bad to say about it except for the fact, like, it's just so absurd. Like, there's one where it just has, like, a little like clear circle porthole for one boob. And I'm just like, yeah! I know, like, I, know. I stuck to that, too. I was like, I just one! <laughs> just one! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I want to come back to kind of the origin of this movie. It got made because the comic was very popular. And you, I looked at the comic, I read some of the panels of the comic, and it was like, I was looking at storyboards, So on the one hand, yes, this comic was very much like just kind of like a sexy, fun thing for men, right? Written by a French Mm -hmm. man. But on the other hand, it really translated, I mean, everything that I saw translated pretty directly into the film. I know it was rewritten by like 13 different people, but I just want to hear like from your perspective as someone who's writing a graphic novel and doing these panels, like what's your perspective on uh, adapting graphic novels into movies and just, yeah, speak to that.
1: I think that in terms of adaptation, it's really shocking the sheer number of films that people see, and usually they don't realize the sheer number, especially in the in the in the realms of um, action adventure slash sci-fi. I would say like anywhere from thirty percent or to fifty percent of the films you're watching have been adapted from a comic book or graphic novel. And in terms of adaptations, it might be the easiest thing to do that you can imagine because a a comic book is more or less um, is more or less a plan for a film. You know, there are so many films where frame for frame, I can point to the illustration or the concept art that it came from. So I can imagine, I can imagine a lot of things. I can imagine the director really being taken with this comic book, which happens, which is real, which is authentic. It happens to a lot of directors. It happens to a lot of people. Like some stories are, are just cinematic in nature. Um, but it's also just like an easy grab. Um, so I think for me, just what I tend to look at is the role of participation or how much participation um the comic book writers have in the production of the film because, to me, if they're not involved, um, the risk is that a director just uses the comic book as like storyboarding pages and doesn't give them the credit or participation that they deserve. So, in this one, I I was pleased to at least see that it was a pretty collaborative effort and endeavor. Um, it's it makes things even funnier to me when films don't work out because of that. Like um like a great example to me um, is. Neil Gaiman's Sandman on Netflix, and how much change, how much change went through that production phase. Like the the comic book and the show are something totally different. And I think there are probably like dozens of really important conversations about how do we make this work better as a show, how do we make this work better in this time, um, socially, culturally. What can we do to accommodate that? I would say Barbarella is the opposite of that. No conversations were had. They just like let it fly. And I, I guess there's no right or wrong. I just feel like there was more potential that wasn't tapped into. And yet here we have this perfect diamond of a weird movie. Um, and I think it's because of like that loyalty. So I love to see it. I think, you know, I'll, I'll, of course I'm excited when, when gra- like graphic novels and comic books get adapted cause like that's my universe. Um, but the process of it is what's important to me and how much participation um, the comic book writers have in the storytelling because uh, that's the origin of the stuff we love. So when they get cut out, I get nervous.
0: No, it's a beautiful rule, a really good rule, too, because, yeah, all right, so to summarize, the more involved the originator of the story is, the more likely the story is to be good. And this is one of the same rules that I've picked up from this podcast, which is, like, the more involved the studio gets, the less good the film is, like, sure. directly. Um, but, like, you think of, like, a show like The Boys, massive appeal. Yeah. Not very well known that it was a comic. Um, and the comic's like like, filthy like this is that's an example of a a show where like they have to tone down the violence in the (laughs) comic i was just like but like for instance um outlander i love those books and when i watched the show i was like so insufferable to anyone nearby because i was like oh it's just like the book oh they're doing so good and you look it up and it's like oh yeah diana i can't remember her last name when golden she's like a producer on set at all times so like of of course it's gonna be good yeah i mean and in this you know it does feel like it feels like installments of a comic right because they just go from one place to the next
1: it Um, is you know god there's so many questions to ask about how it got made and the weirdness Mm -hmm. of it because there are parts of the movie that are just like poorly made the writing is choppy at best the editing makes no sense even um the sound editing um it's like ballistic it's like a fever dream but like the movie wouldn't be as good if they were sharp or if you know, without those awkward spaces, mm-hmm. and I think the counterintuitiveness of some of those parts is is actually kind of important in some sci-fi films because you're meant you're meant to feel strange. You're not meant to feel like, oh, this could happen on Earth.
0: Yeah, I um, want tonal spikes because, yeah. like, she's going through all these different places. I was just thinking about that because I've been looking at your comic and you know, like, coming back to this decision of like storyboarding. But you know, the comic book artist, the graphic novel artist, spends a lot of time thinking about how to convey the story through an image. Yeah similar to films if you've already done a lot of that heavy lifting which is honestly a lot of thinking yeah like where do i place the? it's agonizing yeah yeah like and and so like that i I just realized it's like oh yeah it just makes it really easy you're like oh well i'll just make the film i mean i
1: mean i don't want to say it's easy for anyone to make any type of art and i think (laughs) your your choices that comic book writers and illustrators make in terms of what gets like what gets virtually we're gonna rank
0: art how easy it is to make (laughs) right now i think
1: uh yeah i think it's I think there's more than anything there's just like a lot of parallel pathing there's in terms of storytelling there's like what gets showed versus what gets said there's what like where do we trim the fat where do we add more fat um a lot of those like like the storytelling cues are more or less identical there's I would say of all the types of storytelling you can think of films and comic books have the most in common um so it's I mean love to see it it's just a When you have a great comic book that doesn't get adapted well into a film or movie it's really a head scratcher to me because it's all right there
0: oh well we're going to talk about things that might not have gone (laughs) right but you're listening to they came from outer space here on wrir i'm cameron kitt and i'm here with julia reingold we're talking about a comic that was developed into a film called barbarella from 1968 starring jane fonda alpha seven
1: to base alpha seven to base we are leaving the zone of solar attraction in seven minutes. Acknowledge. Base to Alpha 7, acknowledge. Prepare for acceleration into temporal space. Acceleration into temporal space continuum now beginning.
0: Yeah, so Julia, you said that was one of the hot takes that stood out to you rewatching you were watching it. Yeah. yeah. Hit me with another. What was another hot take? I hate
1: movies where um, I know too much about the background. Like, it's hard to watch this movie for me now, knowing that Jane Fonda was more or less abused by the person that was directing her. Um, I think, I know, that's not really a hot take so much as like a personal, a personal note. Um, because it's
0: I think it's, it's not fun to watch someone go through trauma. <laughs>
1: Okay, fair enough. What I meant was Barbarella would be a totally different movie to me if I knew that Jane Fonda loved it because she was coming into her own sexuality or she was like leaning into like the women's civil rights movement and was like gender fluid or queer or all these things and was like, get me on this set. I can't wait to make Barbarella. I want to make it even weirder than you can. Um, that's not what happened. And I think that kind of breaks my heart because in terms of we were talking about the potential collateral damage a movie like this could do thinking about all the good it could do, thinking about how queer it could have been. I mean, it's crazy. This movie makes no sense. There are no queer characters in this film, aside from the queen, who was like a debauched, crazy person because she's a Les. For someone like you, I charge nothing. You're very
0: pretty, pretty, pretty which is
1: nuts, right? Like
0: that's not yeah, fair. She's also so awesome. I'm sorry. I love her. She's hands down my favorite.
1: She's of pretty she is. She's I'm like good. a trickster and she's like in her own power. She's yeah. a
0: unicorn. Um, oh, yeah, she she's is. a dark evil unicorn with the weirdest inflection on her voice. <laughs> but anyway, you know, whatever. But like, you know, she's yeah. she's high key lesbian. So that's good. But you're yeah, right. You're right. right. For a film that was about evil, <laughs> could have gone Yeah. <laughs> What I, I
1: mean for me what's crazy is like aside from from the screen there are no explicitly queer characters but this movie is it's like a pride parade to me it plays like a pride parade and that yeah. um, the the setting the tonality the freedom a lot of it feels extremely queer to me but there are no explicitly queer characters um, and to me that's also fascinating like i guess it's not so much as a hot take so much as a like you're so close to queer but not and why and is that the sixties and seventies period, or is that a choice for this film? Um, yeah, and I got really stuck in that, especially since when she goes to like the Sodom and Gomorrah part of the film, it really looks like a nightclub. It's just people having the times of their life, lives, um, smoking hookah. That's
0: essence of man. Essence
1: of man. I was dying. So funny. There's a there's a part of the film where she, she's. It's hilarious because Barbara's character is more or less trying to escape from this like from this trap. She's um it's like the climax of the movie she's trying to escape and she happens upon this woman who's like the caterpillar from from alice in wonderland just like decked out on the floor um spaced out and she's smoking a hookah and we learn that what she's smoking on is essence of man and instead of continuing to try and escape barbara stays and smokes it with her and they just veg out together and that's a real part of this movie
0: (laughs) but like as, like I felt like you were playing a video game. I was like, yeah, go back over there and, and try it, you know? So, yeah. okay, building on this, like, oh, this missed opportunity, right, to, to present a world that was scandalous and helped made people think outside the box about what the future could be. Yes. Um, how are you kind of doing that with your work? And how are you taking that, you know, especially the lens of queerness, sexuality, yeah. Um, trying to keep it PG, but you know, in, in a matriarchal cooperative, yes. you know, how are you, how are you addressing that?
1: I would say to just dis- to explain that I can sort of distinguish *Barbarella* from the work I'm doing. So in Barbarola, um, it's like a cool and weird and different take on the future, but it's still the patriarchy. It's a woman answering to a man and playing with her body this way and that. Um, and like, you know, the queer scenes again, with this evil queen who, who identifies as queer, like That's a villainous part of her personality. Um, And these are the rules that they play by. It's very familiar to us, right? It feels like home. The work I'm doing is under the provocation, like, well, what if we left those rules behind? And what if there was no queerness because everyone was queer, or everyone is queer? Um, And what rules of engagement exist in a thriving matriarchal space and queer space like that? Um, Like in a safe space in a different land, in a different galaxy, where we can start from scratch, what are the rules of sexuality? Um, and I guess the answer is anything goes as long as it's consensual and if it's by choice, um, which again is a huge challenge to what I see in Barbarella, where she more or less falls into bed with people out of circumstance, except for the angels. Yeah, there's, that's not entirely true, but Barbara is more or less tossed around like a rag doll in a bunch of scenes without her own agency taking president. And I think that kind of shakes me up a bit, but the work I'm doing is more about what does a matriarchal space where people can own their sexuality look like? Because that doesn't exist yet.
0: And that's what makes it so exciting. And that's like when I learned about that, it's like that's where science fiction has a lot of power is because if you can can play that out in your mind, like if you've ever read The Dispossessed, that was the first time I ever read about what an anarchist community could look like, I need the story to see how it could be to even entertain the possibility that things could be different. But it's really important to remember that things can be different really quick. You know, Um, Ursula K. Le Guin said, capitalism, it seems everywhere and it's inescapable. But so did the divine right of kings. Things change. Yes. Societies can change. The rules can change. So I love like that space of freedom of like, what if. I could do anything. And Barbara really exemplifies what if I could do anything. Like it just takes all the rules of everything, filmmaking, storytelling. And it just goes, I don't care about all that.
1: It's the audacity that we love, right? That's what we love about Barbara. It's the audacity. It's the sheer (laughs) madness of it. It's like even knowing that people sat down in that theater looked at the screen and were like, what on God's green earth?" Knowing that films like that can still be made, stories like that can still be told and people can love them is what's exciting to me. So I think for me, My mission is to try and be audacious, but to do it in a way that serves the social good. Not that this film was made with like not the social good in mind. I think it was more of just a selfish and, you know, and I think it was a little more of a a selfish trip, if you will. And by trip, I mean, this movie is highly psychedelic as well. Um, So I think it it wasn't made with social good in mind. And I think that's what I'm trying for.
0: It is really fun to watch for the psychedelic element. A lot of the scenes, um, textures, lighting. Yeah. um, Camera placement. Yeah, i mean it's fun fun fact so the cinematographer um claude renoir is son of pierre renoir who's nephew of director jean renoir who's oh my son and he's also the grandson of the impressionist pierre auguste renoir and then they have that painting by george surratt in her room and it's just like wait a second there's like a descendant of renoir <laughs> Doing <laughs> <laughs> the, setups, the setups for the scene where she's a machine that's supposed to like pleasure her to death <laughs> oh wait the yeah. piano one That's just so french um, um but yeah i love that part where you're like you broke my machine you could handle it. it's, so, it's really fun to watch it's really worth watching it's it 90 is. minutes it's super i like i can't get over this like yes he, yes you know the director her husband was drunk at midday every day and started making weird decisions and she yes you know for many years jane fonda regretted the film now she looks back on it as being charming it definitely didn't hurt her career it's the only sci-fi film she ever did you know yeah fun fact she was 31 when this film was shot Do you i was great, like Barb? i was like what i know. <laughs> I mean, this woman. Yeah, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Like, her, her, like, beauty and body are like a con- are like a considerable Hollywood iconic staple. um, And seeing, did this... she make
1: buns of steel before or after Barbarella? In, In, after... In terms of after, after buns of steel. To say
0: after this. Like, okay, no, Barbarella was before. Um, oh, I see. We'll look it up. We'll look it up. And you mean, know. The journey of
1: Jane Fonda and the journey of Barbarella are really interesting to think about, too, because mm-hmm. Jane Fonda became like a radical political activist and, yes. and feminist. Yes. And that was, I think, sometime after this film was made. And i like to imagine that her experience making this film participated in her decision to be that type of person. Um, and I like to wonder if, Bar- if she could remake Barbarella now, what would it be?
0: Hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, so that's another playground, right? Is I mean, there, keep, there, there are talks of a new Barbara in the mix, but like how could we remake it so that it it actually accurately depicts a future that we want yeah. trying trying to see 60 years later? Get, yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: trying not to get too nervous and I open heart, open mind, right? But like we're talking about the fever dream and perfect storm, like lightning in a bottle scenario that came to make this film. And what does the reproduction of that look like? Like the intentional reproduction of a crazy film look like?
0: The question then, is why? 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 Yeah. <laughs> why? Like well, we already have be- Barbara. We don't need another one. We already have it. It's already there. It's I don't get it. I do have to
1: tell you though. Like I'm trying to be more open-minded, especially since uh, Death Becomes Her, the remake actually sounds pretty great to me right now, just in terms of the casting. Even though the first okay. one is perfect. I, just,
0: I, I'm sorry. I'm such a nihilist about that. We already have Death Becomes Her. No, no,
1: I know. I get upset because I'm like, there are so many great films like this that need to be be made that aren't this specifically. And why not do those instead? Yeah, and instead of
0: spending – anyway. Well, you can't – you know, you're right. It's good to keep an open mind. There's a lot of films out there. It's just, you know, this film was $9 million in 1968. It was a huge flop. So, like, the fact that they were able to get this amount of money to put together when you watch it – it's, it's, it's an expensive film for the 60s. Yes. Tons of set pieces, tons of actors. There's an angel with wings. The yes. angel the is flying. Pygar is one of my favorite characters. Like, he's so wonderful. He he's has no great. memory.
1: He's Poor so guy. Sweet.
0: He gets just uses so
1: Barbarella's personal sky bus. He can't see. He's differently <laughs> able. He can't see.
0: She's like a little to the right. All right. Thanks, Pygar. Draw me off here. He's getting shot at. He yeah, gets he just crucified goes... at
1: one point. <laughs> Barbarella
0: is... And, like, She's mildly concerned. She's like barely. oh. I mean, she barely is concerned God. for
1: herself. She keeps like finding herself in these horrible situations. In fact, I think I could do a bit more due diligence understanding what Barbarella's profession actually is.
0: She's is an she... astronavigatrix.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: wow. But I don't know what that means. Does that mean she's really good at I driving planes? I know space? how it
1: sounds,
0: but I don't sounds... know what it means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It sounds a certain way. Yeah, so I mean like just thinking about Jane Fonda like this was her sex kitten era and all these like people were like voting her like sex sexy sex goddess of space and she managed to rise above that um and in you know in the, during the um Vietnam War was like a huge uh, opponent and was like really reviled by a lot of Hollywood yeah. for her political choices and like and now has still I mean I think a pretty substantial career and she's still working yeah. at 85 and just like putting work out. So like I don't think this film held her back at all, right? Like, it, she's a powerful enough woman. She's I know, mean, that's why of Fonda, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, we... That's why, again, like, I think the core of love, like, of where the love comes from for this movie is, is, again, the audacity. And I think seeing someone like Jane Fonda, who was Hollywood royalty in such a weird film, probably, I mean, she was, like, kind of like an American sweetheart in a way. So to see her in something like this must yeah. have been shocking... Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's also important
1: to remember the Star Wars factor, right? Like yes. when Star Wars came out, the the special effects were were mind bending. There would yeah. nothing, nothing like that had ever been done before. And I have to imagine that that Barbarella was sort of similar. Despite the weirdness, I think it must have been so visually spectacular for so many people. So I imagine that's the impetus for remaking something like this. What if we can do yeah. something similar? I was just going to say that that's not reason enough to remake a film. And that's not reason enough to make a film. So to me, in terms of talking about why I chose this film or where my obsession with this film comes for, it's really puzzling, even for me now to this day, like, why is this movie so good? It's it's like, it's not so bad that it's good. It's not one of those because it's it's truly good in some ways. It's crazy. That maybe that's why. It's like a, it's like the Burning Man of films. <laughs> um, and it doesn't play by anyone's rules. I think that might be what I love about it.
0: So you talked about how well yeah it doesn't play by anyone's rules that's for sure we can criticize vadim vadim all we want but yeah the audacity i respect i can't help (laughs) it like i I respect your audacity you drunken fool
1: like (laughs) (laughs) drinking on set we could probably do without doesn't seem terribly but like it
0: almost like it makes sense do you know what i mean like that's must that must be why so many of these choices are like as if we're in a fever dream so you talked about like oh following jane fonda following this film this film also had a life that had a reaction after star Wars. So after star Wars, episode four came out after a new hope Mm. in 1997 or 1977. um, Did you know this? They re-released it with the title, Barbarella queen of the galaxy and put a PG rating on it. And Paranel just kept putting out that it was a PG rated film, even though, it's not like they just I just love that they did that like well yeah. there's a ton of ton of like young audiences looking for like really wild space movies let's just re-release this movie and say no I actually have that
1: <laughs> it's such a weird like like so desperate for audiences that they're going for children is a really weird place to be in terms of movie making but to me I actually I own that poster where it says Queen of the Galaxy and that for me is a sticking point a point of contention because like there's no payoff for that she's not the queen of anything or any particular galaxy there's no royalty mentioned the evil queen is really the only royalty to speak of um and she i don't know she never gets enough time to really understand how she came to be or why she came to be um but yeah i I do know that part of the story and i think that must have been such a cool and interesting time when star wars and barbarella were just going neck to neck that must have been wild
0: i mean this this movie preceded star wars by like seven six seven years um and it's a movie about space. I mean, they didn't have the technology, like the opening is her rolling around on a plexiglass sheet and kind of, and like if you watch it now, you're like, oh, that's not real Zero G. It's just her rolling around on a plexiglass yeah. sheet. But like also within the first three minutes you see nipple. Like it's immediate. It's true. <laughs> I was just like it's cool, true. It's that's right not PG. There. Um, I mean, it's just it's just French to me. Like, I was just like, they just don't he just doesn't see it as weird. And I kind of, you know, part of me appreciates Sure. But, sure. But I would say that like
1: America is just coming around to the sexual freedom that French people felt in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> like like we're just know. getting there. Now. Just on
0: the coasts, not in the center, but we're getting exactly. there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's really hard to to hold that against them. And again, yeah. I think for for me that is also a sticking point is um just like someone being sexual in space period is never done. I never see it. It's the one part of space exploration we don't see. We see people missing their families. We see people falling in love here and there. We see, like, a lot of tension. A lot of drama.
0: We see war. Um, Very, like, heroic. You know, yeah, but it makes sense, though, because the whole point of science fiction is to imagine the future, and you and I are kind of aligned on this idea that, like, we should be using it to imagine the future we want, not the one we don't want. Yes. And um, why not? But I just want to come back to this. um, I just have this note about, you know, the Born Sexy Yesterday trope. Have you heard of that trope? It's like- Explain it to me in case- so Born in case Sexy Yesterday funny. is a trope where like in Fifth Element or Ex Machina, there's like a sexy woman who like comes to be in consciousness, but like wasn't awake. Yes. So like in Fifth Element, she just like is born sexy as a fully fleshed human, but like never yes. went through adulthood and is kind of like helpless and like needs to be explained things. Yeah, same with Ex Machina. And like, then you can also have sex with her. So it's like a very, very exciting trope for men. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't understand it, but I know it's there. And so, like, this film has a lot of that with her not having had traditional sex. It's like very similar to that. Yes. And so that's very strong male gaze. That's the male gaze. So I just was like, you know, if we're gonna remake Barbarella, what would the female gaze be like? What would the, what would the new version Ooh. look like?
1: Yeah, I think exp- I think the story of Barbarella through a female gaze, through a matriarchal girls' perspective instead of a patriarchal one. Would also be insane and silly and crazy, but also really great and fun. Um, like um, like um, a, a man, a male astronaut dispatched to find a crazy scientist by, like, the president of Earth of Earth, who's a woman, and like there's an evil, I guess, like prince who's in love with him. Like these types of stories are truly okay. Unseen. That
0: sounds like female <laughs> gaze. That sounds like the female <laughs> gaze, and maybe he has to go through some fun sexy experiences yeah uh, exactly they're like, like ice women are trying to like do div- okay okay yeah i can see it yeah and I the can two evil it.
1: twins from the shining waiting for him on the ice are two little boys <laughs> instead of little girls
0: yeah like well okay so it sounds like one way to start is to just gender swap a lot and the, honestly the imagining yeah. it it does it does check out
1: i mean um, like i think even more than that part of where i think there's been for improvement in the film is like the point of tension is still very strange We don't know why Duran Duran, this evil scientist needs to be found or what he's up to or what's so bad about him. All we know is that Barbara needs to find him and she meets all these strange people along the way. I think that could be fleshed out. Like what possible threat could someone so far away have to the universe? Um, And what personal stake does Barbara have in finding them? Um, And then when she finally does find him, it's like this, like there's like this toddler adjacent tantrum that happens where he puts her in this pleasure machine that looks like a piano Mm-hmm. And she has a great old time, a jolly old time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then invites him to come back with her and he keeps saying no. And mm-hmm. again, like, these points of tension, this antagonist versus this protagonist, I think, like, that story could certainly be fleshed out, obviously. Um, I think that would be, like, my one note for any remake that they do is, yeah. like, just make that story arc clearer and crisper and easier to ingest for and sure. stop trying to distract us with winged boyfriends um, and twins on ice. And
0: Pygar, I- well, beautifully said, because he... <laughs> he has one little speech about like how he was searching for knowledge. And then he fell upon the crystalline knowledge that is pure evil. And I was just kind of like, can you expand on that? And he doesn't. (laughs) Um, Like, we're just supposed to accept that. Like once you like experience pure evil and pure evil comes in the form of this like lava lamp lake that the city is built on that like eats evil. I love that. That's so fun. Um, Yeah, you're right. I would really appreciate that to be more expanded. Um, You are listening to they came from outer space. W-R-I-R. It's a sci-fi movie review show. I'm Cameron Kitt and I'm here with Julia Ryan and we're talking about Barbarella. You find adventure beyond
1: your imagination when you get lost in space with Barbarella.
0: I just wanted to say I really loved, I like had a note where I was like, I just love that Jane Fonda is asking so many different alien people if they've ever heard of Duran Duran, like throughout the film. <laughs> She's like, have you ever heard of Duran Duran? Do you know someone named Duran Duran? It's just so funny to me because we yeah. know that the, the band came out later and I assume because of this film. I think um, they
1: may have been, yeah, I read that yeah. somewhere too. I, I think that they were inspired by this name. And also just like the helplessness of Barbarella's character to ask strangers if they've heard of one person in, in the whole universe or galaxy. Like to your point, born beautiful yesterday. The, her innocence is really striking to me, to be sent by the president of Earth on this vital mission to find this truly dangerous scientist, um, for her to be this innocent and easily. She's always like, her character is actually quite annoying because she's always getting into trouble. She's always falling. People are always shooting at her. She makes mm. choices that like endanger her and others. Um, her character as a whole is both underdeveloped and um, helpless, as you said. And that part's really annoying. I think, like I was saying, like a sex positive spin on Barbarella, where she has her own appetite and her own agency, yeah. would make this movie even even more rad and peculiar and strange than it is. Um, but to me, like the points of where it gets a little uncomfortable, or when she's like she's she really is like a little girl who's like falling down a rabbit hole.
0: She's very well. It's, it's Jane Fonda called it. Our alice in wonder uh, sexual alice in wonderland in space and it's very much like that and it's true i mean that's the male gaze now in the comics she was an outlaw so she had more agency and i Mm -hmm. think that is something that is kind of like a little bit mm, nefarious in this film is that but i think jane fonda as an actress you know you can still see her talent here because there's some really good comedic timing like one of my favorite like deliveries of hers is he's like are you are you a good example of Earth women? And she's like turns around, just like being the utter bombshell that she is, and she goes, uh, "I'm about average." <laughs> so like, That's, funny. That's funny. Like she has, she has some pretty good delivery. Like so, she handles what she can with her. Like she makes up for what she can in the script with her delivery. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, it it is Alice in Wonderland. Like Alice doesn't make logical responses to a lot of yeah. stuff, and she does have a very childlike experience.
1: I would say and, that is yeah. one by and we were talking about this how the comic book. Um, particularly between her and the evil queen, there's a lot more playfulness because that agency exists a bit more and the banter between them feels real for that matter. Um, that's a loss, I think, in terms of adaptation. I wonder why they chose to. No, I don't. I know why. I know why they chose to make her more childlike instead of having more agency.
0: Why is that, Julia?
1: <laughs> oh, the male gaze or something like it, I feel like. The no male one wants. G- oh. The male gaze! <laughs> Which is a bummer because I feel like in today's day and age, um that's far more attractive as having um having two peers or two points of tension that are pushing just as hard against each other right so you have this evil queen and you have this professional named Barbarella who's trying to get through her to get to Duran Duran and that sexual tension between them is part of what feeds into this great storytelling that's missing from the movie um all you have is like this childlike Barbarella and this evil queen who's just kind of a I mean, she's just the best. She's just such a weirdo. She follows her. She follows Barbara again, going around, going pretty, 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 pretty. She's kind of like a stalker and uncomfortable. But I like that she kind of withholds her identity um, from us. We don't know that she's the Evil Queen at first. We think she's an assassin. Um, and I think in terms of storytelling, that makes her a more interesting character than Barbara, just because, like, again, agency. She can choose to hide her identity as a means to an end. Um, I wish they had spent more time with her if they weren't going to give Barbara all the character development that she deserves.
0: Well, these are all good things that we could work on. Yeah. Adaptation. Maybe Why this is we some- maybe maybe something we should write. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is something you should write. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because something that stood out to me is for a film from 1968, um, it has a lot of really interesting special effects mm. um, that really make the film exciting. The way that that they show space travel is more like kind of a gooey, Uh, oil and water situation just like really creative choices i mean you can see a lot of like what um austin powers pulled from with like their costume and music i mean interestingly one of the guitars from pink floyd was one of the session musicians and the the music like you said the music is just like it'll come and go as like completely random cavalcades of like (laughs) 60s like psychedelic music or like that like free love stuff I just want to talk about the bird scene this is like the thing that they they put in all the notes did you yes. read about how what a travesty this bird scene was i don't know that the travesty of the bird scene well in the film if you wouldn't mind telling us just spoiling like why what has what has to, she gets fed to the birds right yes so. she
1: gets fed by to a lot of things there's a there's a um, cannibal doll series that she gets oh to yeah get. oh i have
0: something i want to read about that too <laughs>
1: There's, like, poor Barbarella. This, like, this poor woman gets put into so many cages where, like, terrifying Chuddy. She keeps getting attacked. And the
0: the attacks happen to just, like, rip her clothes in, like, a pretty good way, you know? I know, and she's always,
1: like, she always looks, like, a little dazed after, like, she hasn't been brutalized or attacked or, like, a tiny doll to just try to eat her fingers off. She's always Mm -hmm. like, oh, I took a stumble. I took a terrible fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she's always rescued by another man. Um, But yeah, there are two scenes that really stick out to me. One is um, the doll scene where there are sharp toothed dolls who try to feed upon her inside a cage. And then it happens again when birds essentially try to attack her when she's trapped or held captive uh, in an evil lair.
0: And there's some hilarious, you know, background woes with that. But speaking of the dolls, Terry Southern is the principal um, screenwriter adapting the um, comic. And... This says a lot about Terry. Terry Southern enjoyed writing the script, specifically the opening striptease and the scenes involving the tiny robotic toys that pursue Barbarella to bite her. Southern (laughs) felt that this movie was his candy, 1968, and enjoyed working with Roger Vadim and Jane Fonda, but had problems with Dino De Laurentiis, I think he was one of the producers, whose priority was to make a cheap movie, not a good one. There's so much to unpack there. So, yeah, the author. I love author, and I, just, I love screenwriter someone, loved like, writing about the biting dolls, biting John. Terry like, was like, my, my, vision, my vision, my vision. Yeah, he's like, but This is, yeah, my, it's supposed to be a good movie. Um, a <laughs> good movie about dolls that bite. I'm going to say
1: bad dolls that bite, but I want yeah. some high quality
0: dolls. <laughs> yeah, I want this to be. Stop trying to ruin my vision. <laughs> <laughs> so and what about the birds? So the birds were supposed to be hummingbirds, and of course oh. Roger Fifteen is like, "Why yes, why can't we get some hummingbirds?" I <laughs> and they're like, "There's this rule from the 1920s that you can't ship international certain types of birds." They're supposed to be just lovebirds and wrens, mm-hmm. and they blow them out of this big fan. And their plan, so the plan was to show <laughs> that she's going to get pecked to death. And the scene doesn't really work. They're just flying all around. There's a ton of birds, and it's it's so painful to watch. But like. Their plan was to just sprinkle bird seed on her and hope that that would oh work. <laughs> Birds were like terrified because they've been blown through a fan. <laughs> so they're like pooping on her. She had, they were like, they have; they were like perching on her. Basically, she got sick. If you can imagine why. She got sick from being in the bird cage and um, got hospitalized from a fever and they do not reveal how they actually finished the scene. So I just thought that was really funny. Oh my God. They, like, this is what happens in the 60s. Is, like nowadays, that'd be no problem. We'd just CG, Right just tons of cg no problem
1: i'm just imagining jane fonda's partner directing this like which is more (laughs) or less like the like this assaultive moment that her oh my god it must have been terrifying it must have been awful i mean and certainly for for jane fonda but more importantly those poor birds those poor birds i don't know what they must have been going through um yeah they they were scared of her
0: so they would not like land on her so they're yeah it's, um, I mean, it, it works okay, but like, you know. It it's just one doesn't... of those
1: moments where you kind of wish that you were on set just to be part of the chaos and see how it went down. But you also yeah. don't because it must have been awful.
0: Well, yeah, you don't want to be a PA picking up dead wrens. I'm sorry, no thanks. <laughs> this is, this, I'm just, I'm going to assume that some animals were harmed in the making of the bird scene. <laughs> so yeah, um, my closing question to you, Julia, you know, you're working on this fantastic graphic novel, but, you know, looking at this film and speaking to sci-fi filmmakers what is something that we can take away from this film what can we learn from this movie
1: oh i think we were talking before about the strangeness of this being one of our favorites because we were talking about the best sci-fi movies are human stories with science women and and that's not what barbarella is it's a science movie that remembers it's a woman my personal work that i'm doing and i I hope that other sci-fi writers are doing is to take my own experiences with my gender with sexuality with queerness and thinking about how that could be made better in a world far, far away. Um, thinking about how it could be made sexier or less painful or more exciting um, in a different galaxy with different you know, technology to enable the things that I would want or need. Um, I feel like that's the audacity that's most exciting to me. Not, um, well, certainly yes, weird music, weird directing choices, weird everything choices. Of course, that type of audacity, audacity is great. I would say the only thing that could make Barbarella better to me um, would be the incorporation of, you know, the female gaze in writing um, and just making it a more empathetic story, period. So that's the work that I'm hopefully trying to do, trying to keep it just as spicy and fun as Barbarella, but maybe less less damaging for future generations.
0: Um, beautifully said. Incorporate the female gaze. If you don't know where the female gaze could come from, maybe consult somebody. Consult who someone who identifies does with that. We're everywhere. That. Yeah, just consult someone and say like, "Hey, how does this strike you?" Um, like, there are movies that can have both. You know, everyone talked about how the most recent Batman was quote uh, like a bisexual torture, ha ha ha. But like a movie that like would have both, and I think it's definitely doable, and we're getting there. But I just I really appreciate that. You're doing what you're doing. So, um, yeah, tell us again, support. Julia, where can we find more about you and your work? Where can we follow Please
1: you? Please do visit me at slash or backslash comics. I am also at Space Matriarch on Twitter, if you dare. Um, I'll be updating my comics section on my website as often as I can. Um, I've got a bunch of short stories that I've been illustrating, and the graphic novel that I wrote is finished. The manuscript is done. So, hopefully, that's forthcoming too. But yeah, long live the matriarchy. Let's get her done.
0: Julia, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.